Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Rankable Episode 25. I'm your host, as usual, Jared Thomas, Senior Account Executive at IPR. And I have a special, 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 special guest joining us today, right? So this young lady has over you know, 15, 20 years of in, in the space, and specifically eight years um, in the diversity and inclusion space. And our, and our main goal today is really to one, empower other organizations on how to build a diverse and inclusive organization for all people. And this is definitely a, a specific topic for me. You know, I've had some experience and we're going to go through it, you know, in detail. <laughs> but I want to thank you and I want to introduce our special guest today, Desiree Coleman, VP of a Fortune 500 brand. How are you? I am good. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> As you see, guys, we've been having a little fun on, you know, we've been laughing and joking off screen, but um, this is definitely a, a real serious topic, man. We really, really, it's an honor and a privilege to have you, Desiree. And thank you for everybody attending. If you guys have any questions, feel free to put them in the chat. We want to have just open, cool, authentic dialogue, all right? So let's just jump into it. So I know we've only got a half an hour and these things go by so quickly. So Desiree, I think the first person, I think the first question I want to kind of get into, we could just take it from the top. So for those who may not be familiar with like DNI, diversity and inclusion, can you tell us what it means and why every, every organization should focus on this initiative? Oh my gosh, like if not, where have you been? Um, <laughs> I would say that, you know, if you think about the experiences of people of color, of women, of any marginalized group, it's it's understanding how they move through the world. And so I think diversity and inclusion is so important right now because people are understanding the magnified effect of trauma, of, you know, racism, of discrimination, and it's on, you know, it's it's literally um, on display for folks. And so I was just thinking about this um, when you asked me this question, when you sent me this question, because um, I was at a hotel recently mm -hmm. and I was in the line of check-in. I hate that check-in line because it's long, you know, you know, you know, you're going to be there. And, um, you know, so I'm standing there. I have been standing there a solid 15 minutes mm -hmm. and um, the person in front of me leaves and I'm like, whoo, it's my turn. And so before I could even though start moving to like approach the desk, mm -hmm. this other guy walks up, zip, does a beeline and gets in front of me. And then the like the the guy is motioning him to come and stand in his line, yes. and it was a you see that look that you have right. Yeah, and right. I was like, I was like, well, maybe he didn't see me. Maybe you know, maybe it was the angle I was standing at. But it's all of these little microaggressions throughout the day, yeah. and that was like one simple example. But I think about even like going to the grocery store. And you know how you go, you push your cart back. There are times when people are sitting in their car, and I'm like. Let me walk slowly yeah. as I try to get in my car so that nobody feels, uh, you know, that that they're that they're threatened. And so it's it's in day to day situations and at work it's understanding what your employees are feeling and it's creating systems and processes to make sure that they don't have to also take on those microaggressions at work. Absolutely. So I, I think the biggest takeaway from that, guys, anybody listening, right? The diversity inclusion programs and initiatives and organizations to help every employee be their authentic self, right? We should be able to do that at work. I'm sorry, Desiree. No, I mean, but I think also too, like the, I would say most corporate mantras is bring your whole self to work. Yes. Um, 
that's really it's fluffy. That's really hard, right? Like yeah. it sounds good, but what that means is you would have to break down systems that when women speak up and say something, their voice isn't immediately dismissed, or you would yeah. have to break down processes when black or BIPOC or you know employees of color persistently apply for jobs and are overlooked. Um, you know, you would have to look at your hiring processes. So it's a nice thing to say, but it's really having that internal commitment to be willing to, you know, do a deep analysis to understand what are the things that aren't working and then use yeah. equity to say, here's how we're going to rectify it. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. But see, like you're, you're more in tune with it than I am. Right. Like, so I'm curious, like, like with all that's going on right now in the world, obviously we have the capital takeover. We have the social injustice. We have the Black Lives Matter movement, which really highlighted like racial problems we have in the country. And as a person, like with like a ton of Caucasian friends, I'm curious to hear, you know, your perspective on what should we expect from our allies at this moment? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's so, you know, a lot of folks will say like, um, you know, honestly, like the point that they're come from, how I approach diversity, equity, inclusion, I always try to give grace and saying you are where you are on the journey, right? Yeah, that's a great point. That doesn't give you permission to stay there, but you are where you are, right? And so as I think about allyship, I recognize it's a spectrum. The core of allyship is courageously speaking up. And yeah. so it is asking in every circumstance that you're in, is this equitable? Yeah. Is this fair? Are we producing results that give everyone the same opportunity? And if not, speaking up. And so I recognize though, yeah. that there's a cost associated with that. It might be discomfort. It might be fear of rejection. It might be um, uncertainty. If you're gonna upset a family member, it could be yeah. uh, politically at work not being sure if you want to get on, you know, somebody's bad side. So yeah. it, it's courage, right? So if yeah. you were to ask me what I would ask for allies, I would I would say to continue to speak up, to be uh, critical as you analyze how things happen around you. And if there's ever an area that's not quite sitting right or that's not yeah. producing the results that we would hope, um, and, you know, in an equitable and just system, that you would speak up. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go in and flip over a table, <laughs> but speak up, speak up. In whatever way that's authentic to you, whether that's pulling somebody to the side, whether they're saying, hey, can we have a crucial conversation? Whether that's in the moment saying, hey guys, are we sure that this, that this policy or this practice is gonna produce the things we're hoping for? So I would say speak up. No, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And, and to be honest with you, I, I've seen a ton of that lately and I'm so, appreciative of that right I, like I thought, i've got so many friends that you know worked with in the past or currently working with and you know they've reached i remember when george floyd happened I, i'm pretty sure you had that happen too like i had so many co-workers and, and former co-workers like yo how do you feel man are you good is there anything i can do is the stuff like that is like it, it was a good feeling but at the same time it's like i don't know how to respond to that you know what i mean if that makes sense i'm and waiting to be recognized because i have something to say oh yeah go ahead <laughs> I, you know, I think just on that point, I do, I do acknowledge that there were um, so many allies who reached out to me. One thing that I've realized since then is that, um, unfortunately, our systems, you know, our workplaces, like their challenges still. Yeah. And so, in the same way that allies showed up for the big things, 
my challenge would be show up for the small things, right? So it's not just when there's a national atrocity. It's not just when we're seeing a national reckoning on race. It's when you're sitting in a meeting and something gets said that's not quite right. That is the moment that courage is going to say, I'm an ally, so I'm going to speak up. Or it's when, you know, you're in line at, at the grocery store and you notice somebody literally just cut somebody off, you know, yeah. and that is not the time to put your head down and scroll through your phone. Like, that's the time to be like, oh, I think they were next, you know? And yeah. again, how I approach life, I'm not rude. I'm not nasty. I'm yeah. not going to come that way, but I am going to say something, right? Yeah. And so it's just encouraging people to use their voice. Absolutely. But the thing is, and I think there's a delicate line with that, right? And I'll be honest with you, right? I've had scenarios where I've been the person that speaks up in the room and I've also been shunned for it, right? So so what do, you do, what do you do in that so, situation? So in that, oh, it's so good. In that <laughs> scenario, your ally should speak up. You should not have to be the one carrying the burden as the person of color in the room to speak up. It is incumbent upon all of us to identify in any given situation, if there is an issue and we acknowledge it, right? So I can definitely see you being yeah. shunned. There is a lot of literature that talks about psychological safety. Catalyst is an organization yeah. that I love. And they talk about the, the, the risk that employees of color face as they speak up. Yeah. So, you know, back to your original question about allies. Don't make that the burden of the person of color in the room. Or when you see them put themselves out on a limb, don't leave them out there by themselves. Speak totally. up. Totally. Right? If you have that, pile on, right? Yeah. You, you need that. You need that. Like I said, you don't want to be the only person in the room. It's like, uh, what's that episode of Jamie Foxx? He was like, all right, hey, who's coming with me? Turn around. Nobody's with you. And now you're the only, <laughs> <laughs> now you're the when, only person. <laughs> when keeping it real goes wrong. I, that's, yes. that's my yes. analogy. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and I'll give you, I'll give you a story too. And I'm curious, and I'm gonna follow this up with a question. Like, so yeah. one of the the most tra- like not traumatic, but one of the craziest things that's happened to me in my career, right? So I'm starting off. I'm a young 22 year old African American employee. I'm starting at this ad tech firm. They go around the room. They work. They're talking, asking people like, "Hey, I'm from NYU. I'm from Buffalo. I'm from Yale." I'm like, "I'm Jared Thomas from the Bronx. I'm from Evander Childs High School, and I'm gonna be a top seller here." It was like cocky of me. People laughed me out the room. But six months later, I was one of the top grossing salespeople doing like 250 a quarter. Go yeah, you. Yeah, absolute champion. You know what I mean? Trying to do it. But then a year later, now I'm the top salesperson. My sales director walks me up to the room, sits me down and says, Jared, you're doing great work. You, you know, you're, you've been working hard. You come in early, you come in late. You have to respect your peers. But the problem is the board of directors, they don't know you. And I'm like, boss, man, what, what do you mean they don't know me? Like, yeah, like, what do you mean? Because like his son, the, the member of like the, the chair of the board, his son is like, was my best friend. Like he'll sleep on my couch and we'll hang out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I'm like, how don't you know me? Like I'm mm-hmm. damn near family. And he mm-hmm. was just like, maybe it's your parents. And then I look down, I've got kind of like the baggy slacks. I've got on Pradas, I've got braids down my back, little kind of baggy shirts. So I'm like, okay, cause I didn't know what corporate was. I was trying my best. Right. And then he just said, hey, maybe if you cut your hair, you know, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that'll make people feel more comfortable. So I had an option in that in that moment as a 23 year old with a two year old. I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. do I have a real moment, or do I just say, hey, buckle up, go to the barber? Even though I had my hair since I was like seven years old, mm-hmm. it was a part of my identity. So I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I had you know what I had to do? I had to mm-hmm. chuck it up and I had to go get mm-hmm. a fade. I came mm-hmm. back in the next the next morning and they gave me a twenty thousand dollar raise. 
So that's something that always sticks with me. So it's like, when you talk about diversity and inclusion, like that's why it means something to me because I have to constantly change who I am and can't bring my whole self to work, but you can continue, continuously telling me that I should. So in these moments right now, especially with you know all that we're facing right now, what should we expect from leadership, from organizations? You know, what, what I, should I have been able to go to the CEO and say, hey man, this is what's happening and not be afraid of wherever, you know, ramifications happen from it? I'm sorry that happened to you. Jeez, that's a good ROI for a haircut. No, it is. I ain't gonna lie. I didn't. I didn't say nothing then. But ten years later, I'm like, man, that it, it, did I have to though? Because I was I still mean, the same person, still doing the same deals. I think. Um, I'm sorry. It just took me a minute to like take it all in. But I would say it's so unfortunate. A that um, you know couldn't see you for who you were, like as an individual. Um, but then B the gall and audacity for folks to approach you. So I think that is the, the the essence of what we're saying in that, you know, a truly equitable and just organization would welcome you, whether you were a sari, whether you were a hijab, whether you have dreads, yeah. whether you were an Afro, you know, there was a recent study that came out that said African American women, women who wear their hair natural, Mm -hmm. um across the board get less interviews even with equal qualifications so there's mm -hmm. bias throughout and i think your experience is is like the exact definition of microaggression bias uh unfriendly work environment non-inclusive work environment and and that just shouldn't be Absolutely. that shouldn't be Totally. And shout out to Allison. Thank you for joining Allison. And she has a great question. She says she wants to, to add. Um, so how can corporations create belonging that make itself to bring your whole self to work? Right. Because we say that. But how do you how do you actually create that? So I would say that, you know, this goes back to the courage piece, because, you know, a lot like relationships are the currency in most organizations. And mm. that means that sometimes we give people passes. Um, yeah. When they don't show up well, that means that sometimes they are managers who aren't the most friendly to their employees from marginalized identities. Um, and so if you're really serious about um, advancing diversity, equity, inclusion, you manage those people out because you're mm -hmm. serious when you say these are our expectations of leadership. This is the experience we want all of our employees to have. And at the point where there's a breakdown, obviously you give people a chance to self-correct. You offer training, you offer coaching, you set a clear expectation, you create a time frame for them to increase their, uh, you know, their ability to, to work with their employees. But when it's not happening, that's when you have to shift things. And that's where I think a lot of um, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, uh, programs, efforts, initiatives breaks down is in the accountability. Yeah. And it's saying to folks, this is my expectation. And then when they don't hit it saying, no, but really this is my expectation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that, you know, there are a number of organizations who try creative things around um, incentivizing it. And so creating financial incentives as manager hit their, uh, you know, their goals. Bayer Monsanto has been really creative and they've actually mm -hmm. come up with um, a way to quantify inclusion. So through a series of 360 evaluations um, and input from, you know, all, you know, your man, your, your peers, your subordinates, your superiors, yeah. they're able to quantify the degree to which you are inclusive. And that has a direct correlation to your budget, I mean, to your bonus. 
And mm. so I think those are organizations that are serious about, um, you know, what they mean. But if you tell people, you know, on your website, we value inclusion. Yeah. If you, you know, you get up in front of the town halls and you say it, but there's actually not a, a process and a system that undergirds that accountability, it's really just a futile exercise. So Allison, mm. to your question, I think that, you know, you know, I would say looking at, um, employee surveys to understand where there are some gaps so you may be able to identify a particular division that consistently has yeah. um reports of you know employees not feeling included and then it's time to have some serious conversations you could also look at okay where are we seeing the most attrition is there a particular manager where you know you know their their numbers are a little skewed and out of sorts with with other folks in the company i think it would be asking folks like what do you need you know from us as an organization to feel valued to feel welcome are there things you know and then listening so i think the worst things that organization could do is actually say you know uh you know or to solicit feedback but then not implement it or not come back with here are the things we can do here are the things we can't do for these reasons here's yeah. our commitment right and so yeah. i think that there has to be a give and a take because it's you know if you think about it like work really is a relationship so employees have a relationship with their employers and so if you were thinking about your romantic partner and you know they did or said something that was out of sorts you would talk to them about it. Okay. And because of all the reasons that you've named, psychological safety, bias, fear of repercussions, people aren't always in a position to um, elevate those concerns and to raise them. So when they do, you have to pay attention and then you have to try to make the steps to address those issues. That's that's so key. And I, you, you, made, you brought up some great points. And I think the way, like you said, the uh, being able to what, one has a monetary, you know, like I said, impact to you, right? But at the same time, like how do you get the real out of people though i think that's the, the main problem like how do we know it's like hey this manager did xyz or if i know that i can get an extra 10 grand if i do a specific action is it if it's not authentic right do we still want it i think that um i think that yes <laughs> um, okay. i think i think that's a starting place right so some okay. people categorically have not bought in and so for those people i think it's um you know doing some coaching doing some training talking about inclusive leadership like you know you know in my profession we talk about the business case for diversity i hate starting there because i feel like um you know america is an experiment in diversity so if yeah. you don't value diversity like let's have a different conversation but anyway we start with the business case for diversity and then sometimes we talk to managers about the roi of inclusion so when you come to work if people don't feel respected valued that they belong they're not going to give their best selves like they're not going to totally. do their best work which means you're going to have diminished productivity which means that innovative idea that they could have elevated and come up with they're not going to share yeah. which means that the companies and your competitors who are doing it are going to eat your lunch and so we yeah. we sort of frame it up is that way but Great i do point. think um that you know i would rather somebody to be doing it not from the right spirit and then you know we can we can i can work with you right yeah. <laughs> I, I can bring you along i can you know we did these um inclusive leadership center summits um at my job and really just tried to help employees understand and identify bias in their own lives and we didn't do it in a way that kind of like put them on blast or mm -hmm. you know put them on um 
display, but we allowed them some time and space to kind of reflect. And then we asked them to go back to their individual markets and to try to implement some of those things. So um, I definitely, you know, would rather have you come kicking and screaming, but you're coming versus yeah. being defiant or being a detractor or just downright not doing it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm curious too. That, now that, that's some great points. And I, I'm curious to know about like from, from your experience, right? Like has there been any instances in your professional career where you've dealt with situations like that? And if so, like, how did you handle it? You know, unfortunately, uh, yes. And it's always a calculated decision, right? It's always sort mm -hmm. of um, asking yourself, um, am I going, you know, is this, is this, is this thing worth it? You know, is this the hill this battle we're gonna, yeah. that I'm willing to die on, right? And so yeah. sometimes you suck it up and you just carry that baggage uh, with you. And sometimes, you know, you decide that, uh, you know, it is something you want to address. I actually, in preparation for this conversation, because I had read a while ago around uh, racial trauma, that is a real thing. So yeah. there are researchers, um, from the Institute of the Study of Promotion of, of Race. And they talk about the cumulative effect that experiencing racism has on an individual and the elevated levels of stress, the increased probability of mental health, um, yeah. and then the propensity towards chronic disease. And so as you think about like, <laughs> we have to do something different, right? Because sure. literally, it's impacting our employees, our neighbors, our friends. And so, yeah. um, I don't know, it's just something that's really near and dear to me. No, I totally, totally feel the same way. And I think Allison had a, had a follow-up. She was saying about sales with Jared and I work. If we could bring DNI to the commission approval, it would help weed out some of those issues faced if someone was a great performer, but not inclusive. And I totally agree with that. And I Absolutely. think, and it goes back to your point that you said um, earlier, Desiree, is like, if you don't feel like you could be your whole self, you don't feel appreciated, you're not going to go the extra mile, right? So there's been times where I've been in a company where I, I could have been, I was a top performer, and I'm like, hey, well, I need Zoom info for this, or I need this tool to help improve our efficiencies on the sales side. And it was like, all right, go about it. And I've actually was fired for instances like that. When I'm like, I'm fighting for my team. So like, yeah. you know, if you feel your whole self, and I think every organization should try to do that. If I come in here, like for instance, at iPool rank, you, you, even if you don't know me from a hole in the wall, you can go on my LinkedIn right now and just say, damn, this guy must be happy because I'm out there waving the flag every day. You know what I mean? I'm waving the flag. And that's why, you know, you, you see me out there. I'm doing a podcast. I'm doing things outside of my nine to five that are not required. Right. Just help move the, the move the needle for the brand and the business, right? right. And that's because I'm right. happy and, and I feel like my idea is appreciated. Like yeah. trying to make it inclusive. Like you said, you could be losing out the million dollar idea. Right. I don't right. care where it comes from. So um, uh, one of my good colleagues, uh, Shakira Polite um, from Black Bravado, you guys should check out that organization, sent me this morning. Um, a study that Sephora did on the, the the ways that their customers feel when they come into the store. And so mm. it talked about how they're less likely to buy and how they're more prone to buy online because they don't want to be um, to encounter salespeople who aren't friendly or welcoming or, yeah. you know, any of those other things. And it was just it was really well done. Um, I think it's on their website. So I would encourage folks to go check it out. But what I loved about it is that they recognize for themselves, for their industry, these are the barriers that people feel when they come in contact with our brand. And that's not okay for us. So they talked about some of the training that they've been doing for their associates. And so I really do think 
that as people take a critical look and identify the specific intricacies of their particular field. So, you know, some of the issues that would come up in corporate may be slightly different from nonprofit, which may be slightly different from a sales organization. And so I really think it's just important to do an analysis, to talk to people, to ask your employees what they feel. You may not get, you may not get um, the the full answer because people may again feel um, reluctant to share. But I think um, I think it's important to ask the question. Absolutely, and actually, it actually goes into a follow up question with that, right? So, say if you're looking to join a new organization, right? Like, what are some questions should you ask around DNI to make sure that there is a a good culture for you to join the company? Like, what are some things you should be asking, and like during the interview process? Um. So. I recently read, um, I love the Huffington Post, and so there's a reporter, Monica Torres, who gave a name for what you just talked about. It's called scouting. So instead Mm -hmm. of just being like, oh, is this a great company? You have to scout and ask more questions about, is this a good company for women? Is this a good company for people of color? As an LGBTQIA individual, am I going to be recognized, celebrated, or am I going to be limited here? So that's another instance of, you know, uh, a things that people from marginalized identities have to do that mainstream folks don't have to do um, just to navigate life, just to live, just to make a profession. So um, I'm sorry, I'm on a tangent. No, it's so true. That's real. I appreciate it. But I think that, um, you know, you have to ask those questions like, um, will my leadership be appreciated? Like, is somebody checking a box that they have a diverse hire or are they truly interested in me as an individual and what I can bring? And will there be space for me in the future to lead and to assume, you know, new leadership roles? So it's an unfortunate reality, but it's real because, uh, you know, folks ask those questions for a reason before they enter into an organization to try to understand uh, what their experience may be like there. Absolutely. And I, I can tell you from experience, anybody listening, like these questions, are you, I'd rather you ask the questions during the interview process than get there because there's no worse feeling when you get to an organization and feel like they did the bait and switch on you, right? Hey, the culture's not here. They got me sitting on the window. Sales is, and marketing sit like two rows apart from each other. You and Right, exactly. With your red stapler. Exactly. Um, (laughs) um, I will say also that, you know, again, this kind of goes back to this analogy that, you know, you have a relationship with your employer, right? You spend the most of your waking hours at work, right? So if you are in a space where you don't feel valued, respected, you don't feel like there's opportunity, that's going to be a miserable experience. And so, Um, It is an unfortunate reality that um, folks do have to do scouting, but it also says like, if that is your current situation, then you're not bringing your best self because it's not, um, it's not, it's not a good space for you. Um, That's the worst feeling in the world. Right. So that goes back to that ROI of inclusion. And if you can create spaces where people want to be, where they feel heard, um, yeah, then you're going to have better results downstream. Totally. 
Totally. I, I agree. Like I said, it's the worst feeling in the world when you're waking up and you're miserable doing what you're doing or you're just waiting for the six months to so you can make a move or have it on enough time so you can start interviewing in other places. Like that's the worst. Right. And also, I, I didn't realize the time was going up so quick. We're at like 157. So I want to do a quick speed round, if you don't mind. I would love to know. We're going to go three quick ones. <laughs> so so one quick question on a speed round. Right. If someone wants to learn more about DNI, like what resources would you recommend? Uh, recast by Isabel Workerson. Go. All right. If there's some, all right, someone who comes to mind, who, like who's the best influencer that we should be following when it comes to DNI? I love Michelle Kim and Shireen Daniels. Go. Hmm. If you had one opportunity to individual to highlight one individual for Black History Month, who would it be and why? Michelle Obama. I love you, Michelle. <laughs> you call me so we can do coffee. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> But I love Michelle Obama. I love everything about Michelle Obama. Can I just say really quick that I would love to continue this conversation? So, folks, please do connect with me on social media. Yes. You can find me at Desiree S. Coleman. I'll drop it in the chat, and I would love to keep these conversations going. Yeah, absolutely. And we was also um, talking about maybe even possibly doing a clubhouse, um, you know, just like this. So please connect with Desiree. Um, me and Desiree connected over LinkedIn. She was super welcoming. We ended up having a conversation. And within the first 10 minutes of our conversation, I'm like, Desiree, please come on the podcast because we could talk about this all day. And then we've ended up building, you know, a great friendship. And I'm so appreciative, you know, to have you on the show and, and have the opportunity to have you and, and share your wisdom and your knowledge. This has been amazing, Jared. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank, Thank you, you for spreading all this positivity. Thank and you so much. Yes, I appreciate it. Thanks again. And everybody else who, who's listening and attending, thank you again. We're going we're gonna to continue. Please follow Desiree. Next week, we also have a great episode with Madison Butler, who's going to be about authenticity. So if you know Madison, like she's the epitome of real. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I know you know that. Uh, the blue unicorn. Um, yes. She's coming yes. next week. Oh, my amazing. goodness. I cannot we wait. Go. We're going to be real. So thank oh. you again. And everybody else, thank you for, for the support. We are on episode 25. We wouldn't be here without you guys. Like all the comments, all the DMs. You guys are coming out to busy days of your work to listen to us and, and be here. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I hope to see you guys next week. And, you know, we'll see you again. And Desiree, much love as always. I know I keep in touch. Awesome. You know we're going to be. Awesome. <laughs> all right. All right. Take, care. Take care, everybody. See you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.